Vamos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we are blessed with the presence of what I like to call the uh, prettiest duo in Minute by Minute podcasting. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ethan and Ellie from Two Minute Terminator. Guys, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys? It's glad We're glad and thank you so much for having us on the show. We're honored. I've been waiting for this moment for a lot because <laughs> I, I thought we'd actually done a show, but we hadn't. You came onto our show. So, hello, listeners around the world. Hello, we're, uh, we're thank the you so much. Duo. One of us is prettier than the other, of course. Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've got better cheekbones. This is true. Oh, uh, you're both beautiful when you know it. Uh, but uh, so, so for our listeners out there that maybe haven't heard uh, when we guessed it on the show or heard Two Minute Terminator, uh, can you guys tell us uh, what it is you do on that show and, and just who basically you are? Uh, yes, I'm Ethan McKinley. I'm an actor comedian from England. Ellie is a. Uh, <gasps> I, well, I, you're now a celebrity party planner, aren't you? Uh, I kind of yeah. I work for a, quite a high uh, profile, high end catering slash events company, and we do parties for. We're actually doing a party next month for Elton John. There you go. Wow. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, we had David Beckham at one, one of our events a couple of weeks ago, Liv Tyler, uh, loads of famous people, Kate Moss. Uh, so, the company actually did Kate Moss's wedding about five, six years ago. So I've been in the acting game 12 years. Ellie's been in this job one month and she's worked with some of the most famous actors. <laughs> <laughs> sadly haven't. But that's what you get when you look like you're 12 years old. <laughs> well, we're oh my not- gosh, <laughs> so cute. Break her backstage. Well, we're not doing that by the uh, listeners, sorry, and Kyle and Brady, you know this anyway, but uh, we're part of the Minute family. We do the two-minute Terminator where we break down the Terminator films two, two minutes, minutes at, at a time. time. That's now, right. Mike, um, although I'm still going to hold you to this, guys, you need to do Ghostbusters 2 because I really like Ghostbusters 2. We've gone all the way through the Terminator films and we're now on uh, season five, of course, Terminator Genesis as we're uh, plowing through the, the, the ups and downs, the highs and the lows of uh, that movie. Now, so gonna... how... Oh, go, no, no, go ahead, Ellie. Sorry. I, was, I was just going to say, I'm going to have to be very honest and say that I've only ever actually seen Ghostbusters once. I showed it to you, didn't I? Ethan showed it to me, which is so weird because I'm a huge fan of 80s movies. Uh, I love all kinds of uh, the occult and ghosts and things like that. So I've never actually watched it. But I generally have a, a rule, and that is whenever somebody gets overly hyped, I just think, no, it's probably rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I suffer from that too. But... Um, so I'd never actually watched it. And How Ethan can we was, get on so well? Ethan was absolutely horrified, so he, he showed me the film. And yeah, it was great. But no, I haven't seen the second one either. Well, I walked you through an entire pantheon of 80s films. You were like, Eddie Murphy, what's all the fuss about? And then I was like, right, Beverly Hills Cup, Trading Places, Coming to America. You're like, oh, I get it now. Even Tom Cruise we sold you on, oh, didn't we? Oh, God, schmooze. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's, he's, a great, he's a great actor, but as a person, it's a no for me. Well, how did you guys, uh, like decide together that you were going to do a uh, two minute Terminator as, as like a duo. I, well, give props for it's due. We didn't mention these guys, but I guess if, if you listen to this show listeners, uh, Ghostbusters minute, you'll know that star Wars minute started it all. I think we were the second ones out of the gate. I did it literally for practice to start a podcast. And I, and then I thought, I think wrongfully that Terminator Genesis is going to be the biggest film ever. And uh, <laughs> right. this show's going to explode right out of the gate. Everyone's going to be hooked into Terminator. And yet it took us five seasons. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> well, so we started doing that, basically. And it's, it was, uh, yeah, it was I'm a fan of, obviously, Terminator 1 and 2. I'm not a fan of 3 and 4. 5 is good. I think 4 has its good points, but it's uh, mostly a miss. And uh, it was a way of, I guess, re- replicating, but not quite doing it, the, the Star Wars minute model where we break down the Terminator films two minutes at a time. But it went to two minutes because it was a pun 
because I couldn't say one minute Terminator. It didn't kind of ring true, did it? Yeah. So, Terminator, yeah. it's right. alliteration, isn't it? Yeah. And so, can, I guess considering like how much material there is there, you kind of want to go by two minutes. So also, you're speeding up the process. because there's so many goddamn films. Imagine yeah, if you've done yeah. that minute at a time. Well, I mean, props to you guys and all the other shows, because, I mean, now I've, we've been on other minute shows as guests... We understand the luxury of having two minutes because oh, yeah. you get more of a narrative when flair you first of what's happening. Me, when I first watched this clip that we're going to discuss... You were like, where are what? going like, on? I was just like, well, hang on a second, why was it so short? And I was like, oh, it's a minute. <laughs> great maths, Ellie, great maths. It's funny, we actually had a John Engel from Alien Minute on uh, a, a couple weeks ago. And uh, John, Alien is like one of my favorite movies of all time. I think Same. even before the show started. Yeah, we were we're all huge fans. We we're talking about, you know, the NECA action figures and stuff. Uh, mm. That's That's a movie that, even though I love it, you could have an entire five-minute sequence with no dialogue, just panning shots of the inside of a spaceship. And while mm-hmm. it's great uh, the, the tone setting and stuff like that, I would have a lot of trouble drawing information from that. They do a pretty good job on that show, but that's one thing that I love about Two Minute Terminator. When we came on for you guys, it was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about here <laughs> in, this, in this two-minute sequence. So I know that we gave you guys a minute here of Ghostbusters, it's and not- visually... It's not always. <laughs> I think visually it's great. Uh, my only thing is, I think with our clip, uh, where do these stairs go? Does that happen at the end of the last clip? It does. It does yes. It? Yeah. yeah. Which, which is funny because covering Ghostbusters, we found that that movie is edited so that most of the scenes cut off right at a minute. Mm. It's almost like mathematical. You're coming up on a, you know 59 seconds, and then it, it hard cuts to the next scene. So it's been pretty cool for us to do that because Jurassic Park is not that way at no, all. Not at all. But <laughs> um, is, is Bill Murray's line? They go up. Uh, yes. ADR'd because his mouth is moving differently to that unless it's slightly out of sync I don't think it is but I th- it looks like it's ADR'd now I'm actually focused on what's it what's added real added dialogue real added something it's, you basically uh, yeah, you're dialogue additional dialogue recording um, okay. if you're shooting yeah. on a set and an airplane goes overhead and they have to kind of redo the, the dialogue yeah. you have to do it after the fact basically but this yeah. for me is one of my favourite films of all time I was obsessed with this movie as a kid uh, down to the fact when I tried to make my own proton pack as a kid with like cardboard boxes made out of like a kid's backpack. That's amazing. And I walked oh, wow. around the local park with my friend Christian looking for ghosts. And Well, like now you can awesome. actually buy the proton packs. You can get the all female Ghostbusters, that steampunk version. And you can get kind of the older version, which came out a few years ago for like kids that it's like, I'd have been in hog heaven back in like 85 <laughs> when this, yeah. like when this came out. But I think... I think I was looking on some stuff online about this. There were no, like, toys when this came out. It's only in the last, like, I think maybe five years you've got any kind of, like, uh, collectory-type merchandise in the action figure realm right, uh, from yeah. this film. And it's really sad because it's, like, it's ripe for stuff. Well, apart from the cartoon. But I was never kind of happy with those kind of toys because it wasn't the film to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, the, I, I loved the cartoon, but they were kind of like an abstraction of what you were seeing in the movie. It was much more like, you know, kind of a caricature of yeah. what was going on. It, it, you know, the cartoon's great, but it has a very different feel from the movie. If you wanted, like, movie-accurate stuff, like I'm sure we all did when we were kids, uh, you had to make your own, you know? <laughs> Use your imagination to get it the best you could. Mine wasn't movie-accurate, so, to be fair. So, guys, why, why did you pick, why did you guys pick uh, Ghostbusters? That's a great question. Uh, I think Brady's the one who originally came up with the idea. Brady, why was it that, that Ghostbusters was the movie you went for? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I like, Ghostbusters is just uh, such a special movie and such a milestone in film history that it's something that needed to be covered in this format. Uh, How old so, were you when you watched it? 
Whew, let's see, I was born the year that it came out. Um, so it's just one of those things that's always been there. And I have two older brothers who were just always exposing me to like great movies and, and everything. So uh, it's just sort of always been a part of like who I am because yeah. uh, it's the things that you grow up with. I and, saw this uh, at the cinema. I saw this oh at the movies God. in person. Really? Wow, really? Nine. See, all my favorite films, I've not seen any of them I'm at old the cinema. Shit. <laughs> well, this is a good sign for me because I saw this. And, is, uh, is there a labyrinth minute? No, not yet, but I'm sure there will be. Now uh, that you've said it, yeah, you said it, you got to do it. <laughs> Someone do, do it. no, I Why? can't, because I can't do, I can't do a minute. You could, I could. Yeah, you could. What are you saying, yeah. man? You so could. Oh my god. <laughs> but no, this was a really you special have to summer. Do it with me, I, I, could, I couldn't do it on my own. 1984, I saw this, and I think a few was it. Maybe this came out before. Within a month or so, I saw Temple of Doom. Uh, yeah. Indiana wow. Jones. Uh, so yeah, it was like a very special year for movies for me. These are like two like pivotal kind of films when I actually remembered going to the movies and stuff. I did was... you um, did you see Terminator in the movies? No, because that was like an R-rated movie. When I was <laughs> what about Terminator Two? Actually, I did rent Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was I think seven from a and video. That is what? Why, and that is why you're such a well-rounded individual. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, my it brother was dating man. this chick who ran. My brother's like I think. Was it 16 years older than me? So he was dating this chick whose father ran a video store. And I went in there for something. I can't remember what. And then I, I was, oh, that looks like a good thing. <laughs> a good cover. And I took it to the counter. And he didn't, you're too young for this. I went, it's okay. I'm nice, his brother. He's like, okay, there you go. I thought the didn't same pay thing. And rented it. Well, rented it for free. And yeah. I thought I the same thing about, um, when I was a kid. I thought the same thing when I went into this uh, DVD store and I just saw a DVD with a woman bent over and it just said the secretary and I was like, oh, that looks fun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a cute little romantic comedy, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, uh, it was definitely an eye-opener. And I was like, yeah. oh, this was, wasn't what I was <laughs> Poor expecting. Poor choice of words, Ellie. <laughs> Ethan, with your experience with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, having a, a kind of a geeky kid growing up in the '80s and full access to a video store—that's like giving the pharmacy keys to a drug addict. Oh hell, you know, no. like, oh, it is, yeah. That's... And also, I think in England, you didn't get this in the US, but we had this thing called the video nasty boom, when a lot of films were kind of rightfully or rightfully or wrongfully banned at the time because there was a lot of kind of like uh, Italian horror that came out, not just oh, not yeah. the kind of like uh, Dario Argento it was stuff. Like like the Fallucci stuff, stuff huh? Yeah, when they were kind of like mutilating animals, like the uh, the cannibal movies and stuff. So there was a lot of kind of right. like, because there was no classification for the home video market at the time, uh, the British Board of Film Classification kind of got caught with its pants around its ankles, essentially. And like all these kind of like lurid faces of death type movies were coming out. There was Night of the Demon about Bigfoot. When there's a guy taking a pee in the woods and Bigfoot like tears his junk off and he oh bleeds to death. Oh my god! And it's all like very graphic and stuff. And I grew up kind of seeing all this stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> weirdly was, as a kid. Wow. It was, but, it was it was very much the Wild West back in that time. It that, really uh, was. You know, it was you... like the early days. I mean, it's still kind of like that on the internet now. <laughs> but essentially, this is what uh, the home video market was like. And I think there was this giant panic in in British society, and it was all over the news. They called them video nasties. Everything got banned. And a lot of films wrongfully got thrown into this melting pot, one of which was like Evil Dead. And Car didn't oh. uh, The Exorcist get banned for years? The Exorcist was banned, I think, was until Carrie? the late 90s when DVD yeah. came around. Uh, I think Carrie, there was quite a lot of like things we now consider mainstream and laughable in this like Wild West period. Basically, what I'm trying to say is like all this awful stuff got flooded onto the market, like pornography and like violent images, like animals being mutilated. And I weirdly grew up watching and renting all these films. <laughs> well, thank yes. God that they didn't ban us from watching Ghostbusters. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Where would we, where would we to be, be said now? though, because I'm, despite Ellie's like, uh, you know, remarks, I'm a, a well-rounded, not insane person. So I think it's testament that I think there was a time actually in the late 80s, you won't know about this, when there was a, a killing of a boy called James Bolger by two teenage boys and they banned the film. They said they got the idea from killing him from Child's Play 2. So Child's Play 2 got banned for many, many years. Oh, uh, I see. They wanted to misdirect probably the responsibility for yeah. themselves. Was, just in, being in the media, bad, yeah. there was this always this misdirect. Like, oh, it's, it's, they say it's like video games now. That's kind of like faded away. That that's well, encourages. Well, they said um, uh, years ago because I was a, I was a goth when I was a kid. They were saying that uh, Marilyn Manson was a really bad yeah. uh, role model. These two nuns, they went nuts and they killed a load of people. And then they were like, oh, these nuns, they listened to Marilyn Manson and but his it's, music. It's, made yeah, they, they, they never seem to either blame like parental like raising of the children or like the the. Well, somebody think of the children well whatever they grow up in you're either kind of born insane or made into a monster and it's uh yeah let's bring it back to ghostbusters let's bring it back to Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> so guys what's happening in this minute yeah, so we've got minute number 84 here. Now, in the previous minute, we saw the Ghostbusters arrive on the 22nd floor of Dana and Lewis's apartment building as Dana and Lewis completed the final summoning ritual to bring Gozer into our dimension. After busting into Dana's apartment, Ray asks Venkman where the stairs go. At minute number 84, Venkman responds, they go up. As the Ghostbusters approach the stairs, thunder crashes around them. Venkman turns back to tell the other Ghostbusters to go ahead and go in front of him. At 84.15, we cut to another shot of Dana and Lewis standing where the terror dog gargoyles stood before. They both slowly raise their arms in the air. At 84.19, we cut to a wide shot of the rooftop of Central, uh, 55 Central Park West, where Dana and Lewis have their arms raised in the air. Lightning strikes the top of the building and channels itself down towards the possessed duo. The lightning then flows out of their outstretched arms and strikes the central mural... In the, as the mural slowly creaks open, bright light spills forth from within. At 84, at 84.32, the Ghostbusters make their way to the top of the building, just in time to see the gateway to Gozer's Dimension open up. At 84.40, the doors to Gozer's Dimension open fully, revealing the staircase inside. At 84.51, the Ghostbusters make their way around the altar of Gozer, just in time to see Dana and Lewis being struck by lightning and transforming into, demon, into their demonic terror dog form. <laughs> Vakeman screams, Dana! just as she falls forward and turns into a giant demon dog. And thus ends minute number 84. So really what we're seeing here is uh, there's not a lot of dialogue in this minute. It's a lot of visual storytelling through, uh, you know, the the acting of Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis here, you know, kind of they're transforming from, you know, their demon-possessed form into the actual terror dog form. So um, I have to ask, uh, Ellie, when you first saw this movie, uh, did you find it funny? Still, did you think the humor translated from the 1980s to the current day? Yeah, but I think that's probably mainly down to Bill Murray. You weren't as moved by it, perhaps, as you have been by the other actors you'd seen, no. had you? No, um, I don't know why, actually. It was good, but again, I think because it's been hyped so much, I think I was expecting... And also, and I, also I think if I'd seen it as a child and I'd had that kind of movie magic when I was a kid and grown up with it, then I would probably love it even more. But no, it's great. You know, I love the special effects. The music's great. I'm a big fan of Sigourney Weaver, obviously, due to Alien and Aliens. Um, Well, this was her next kind of uh, big movie, I think. This was her next kind of, like, I guess, sci-fi This must have been before Aliens. Uh, Oh, before Aliens, yes. Before Aliens, yeah. Aliens 79. This is 1984. Okay. And, uh, yeah, this was her next, I guess, step into that kind of, like, blockbuster kind of horror sci-fi entertainment field and stuff. Uh, yeah, she tried I, out... For, I'm sorry, go ahead, Ethan. No, I was just going to say, I think, for me, 
It's still a great film. I love it. I think uh, the special effects are still good by Richard Edlund. Uh, love the special effects. Who left ILM and created Boss Film. And I think he did all his special effects on like very uh, high-res 64mm films. So they still kind of hold up today for the most part. There's a few like wonky shots here and there. I think the matte painting behind them as the kind of uh, the gates of hell, for want of a better word, start to open. Something uh, like that I love about all these films, these old kind of films as well, is whenever they show lasers and things like that, they always have that kind of like neon pink and blue. What happened yeah. to those coloured lasers? It's not the 80s when, anymore. You when know, did you last to... see that in a recent I'll tell you movie. what happened. I'll pink, tell you what happened. Pink, pink, blue! Your boy, James Cameron, went and made all the lightning blue. He did. And everything. Oh, Anytime no. there's electricity or lightning, it's just Your bright boy. blue. <laughs> You're my boy, blue! You're my boy, blue! Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well, in, in this in this particular scene, the lightning is kind of like uh, purple with this blue core to it, and it's I was noticing fusion. that when I was rewatching it. It's yeah, yeah, it's very uh, colorful. Like this movie, you if you saw this movie created today, well, actually, you know, we say we stand on the on the hills of the Ghostbusters movie that came out this day. It was a very colorful Ugh. movie, but the majority of like fantasy movies these days, it's kind of like a green or the color palette's very dark. In this, it's like. The ghosts are vibrant and bright, yeah. and they're colorful looking. And you know, they're. Uh, they, I think Ethan, you were saying, you know, it was shot in sixteen millimeter film. I do think that's one of the reasons that they still look so good. They also look good because they are almost uh, comedic appropriations of something scary. Mm. You know, so they're like a more artistic version, a more cartoony version. Oh, so sorry, I not- didn't say sixteen millimeter. I said sixty four millimeter. It's like a very oh, so, okay. like, super high res format back then, and that's why I think the effects still kind of look quite crisp for the most part that's what i mean sorry uh, yeah I no no yeah, yeah and they 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 definitely hold up they they, they look fantastic but um you know i it, it's uh th- th- this minute like i said there's not a whole lot of storytelling in it but we open up with a pretty funny joke and ellie i do think you're right i think the the funny stuff from this movie works because it's dry and you have yeah. a guy like bill murray who kind of yeah it's that kind um, of cynical he, it's yeah. like he's like everyone go, go. he sees the scare step the scares well <laughs> he sees these evil looking stairs then just sends everyone ahead of him he's still got that like that cynical, like, uh, yeah. cowardice about him. Which a bit is like Curb. A bit like Curb Enthusiasm, yes. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, uh, he's great. I mean, they're all great across the board. Uh, I, I do have this kind of, like, weird fancy of, like, trying to think what it would be like had it been uh, John Belushi, had Eddie Murphy not turned down a role and were John Candy playing the Lewis Tully role. Was that he was going to be... It's Rick Moranis replaced John Candy, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. and I think it was actually uh, uh, right up into shooting time. John Candy was, uh, you know, turned around and refused the the role, or are they just? I think they came to an agreement that it wasn't the right project for him. Yeah, yeah. I th- well, I think Rick. I, th- I think cash cow. <laughs> no, no, I think Rick Moranis is, is probably a better choice than him because he's more of that kind of nebbishy, kind of nerdy, uh, kind of character. I would have loved to have seen like instead of Ernie Hudson, Eddie Murphy, and John Belushi in this. Yeah, but John Belushi is kind of in this because they based Slimer off him, didn't they? They did indeed, yeah. They did, yeah. yeah the that's spirit right. of Belushi like, lives on. He's eating and drinking. <laughs> I wish they'd like, done a, 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 a can crush on his head. That what, thing is. what, from Animal House? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, living to excess in this hotel, stealing off all the plates and sneaking into all the different rooms. I don't know. Who, did, uh, who would John Candy have been? Would it have been the Bill Murray role? Uh, John Candy. Uh, sorry, not uh, w- my apologies. Sorry, John Belushi. Oh, so John Belushi was going to be Peter Venkman. Uh, okay. In fact, uh, as Dan Aykroyd finished, I think the final draft of Ghostbusters, uh, it, he got news later that afternoon that uh, John Belushi had passed away. So at that point, they came back, and it, w- w- what it did is it gave 
um, Bill Murray a lot of liberty to improv, which from what we've heard, this movie, almost every piece of dialogue was just improv or changed around on the set by Bill Murray, which, you know, kind of creates as an actor, Ethan, you might, you might know this. It, it kind of creates a, um, an environment for creativity with actors. Yeah. Uh, when there's, when you're open to such, uh, improv, you guys can kind of just like riff on each other or, you know, go on a tangent and just create entirely new scenes just by being the character. Well, right. Yeah, if I'm not correct. mistaken, I was going to say, Ramis and Aykroyd are part of that Second City comedy troupe, aren't they? So yes. I think all that is kind of very improv type based, isn't it? Yes, is it that, is. And I think that's kind of what is, makes the humor... Uh, is that you know, Bill Murray as well? Is he part of the... Is it the well, show? he was. I think he was part of the Groundlings. The Groundlings uh, which okay. uh, usually, if you're, if you're Groundlings, your transition is into Saturday Night Live from that point. And I think these days it's Groundlings or Upright Citizens Brigade, and then you move on to Saturday Night Live. Guys, can of I the just ask episode. what Groundlings are? Uh, so sure. it's an improv-based comedy troupe in Los Angeles. So you go there. Um, you've, you've seen Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah, yeah. It's basically that, but like the theater school version of it. I think. Oh. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, okay. and th- thank you for asking, keeping us in check, because I have a horrible time of referring to things and not knowing if I'm telling the audience what it is. But you know, the, you know they based the Groundlings the name. I think the Groundlings were the people at the Shakespeare's World or Globe Theater that would stand actually on the ground that they were playing to. So they oh. kind of came up with the name that way. But yeah, usually what you do is you you cut your teeth on the comedy scene in the Groundlings or the Upright Citizens Brigade, and then your transition on is either to uh, you know become a comedian or with the Groundlings, usually their uh, their career track is to go to Saturday Night Live after that. Uh, so, but yeah, but I think the second city comedy troupe, uh, the improv troupe and the groundlings used a lot of the same styles back in the day. So it was probably easier for all those guys to come together and, you know, work on stripes and then move on to ghostbusters after that. Because I think, isn't, oh God, I can't remember who it is now. I think second city is Bill Murray, isn't it? But isn't Aykroyd and John Candy, they're from like Canada, aren't they? Are they from like, uh, they are, yes. Comedy troupe or they, did they come from Canada and join second city? Uh, they did, yes. They went from Canada to Second City, uh, uh, and the Second City comedy troupe at the time. I don't have the list. That's Ramis as well, isn't it? Harold Ramis yes. plays Egon. Okay. Yeah, it's really weird because uh, a lot of the cast was either was Chicago based or Canada based, and then the only actual New Yorker you have in the movie is Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> so, because mm-hmm. yeah. I think the closest thing we have to this group of guys now is like the Seth Rogen uh, type people. Aren't they? they they make movies now, like uh, James Franco, Seth Rogen, those guys that uh, do yeah, like this yeah. is the end and stuff. That those are our modern day equivalents. Oh yeah, like Seth Rogen. Um, oh god, what was it? There's like Knocked Out, The Hangover. They're all in. There's all the kind of yeah, guys. The Judd Apatow group. Yeah, of that's him. Yeah. Judd Apatow. Super, super bad. Like and... Kevin Smith, but successful. That's kind of like, <laughs> that's what Kevin Smith has described him as. He's like he's like the uh, the big the the mainstream version of him. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. yeah. I mean, they, they, you're, you're, you're right, though. They do kind of follow the f- same kind of like gross out jokes, but then there's also yeah. an emotional core to it. So, yeah, that's a, a pretty good transition. I think what this has as well, which I think doesn't really get that much of a mention, I think American Werewolf takes the crown, and everyone always mentions that as a mix of kind of horror and comedy. Yeah. This film did that very well. I think there's a, like this, if I can even think of this and maybe American Werewolf that kind of did that successfully. It's like really funny, and then you'd have like a scary, uh, uh, bit in it and stuff but it reminds me more of a, like a John Landis film I always think John Landis when I think Ghostbusters I know I shouldn't but it has the kind of look and feel it does of yeah. a John yeah. Landis film it's got this kind of like not coldness but it's got like this cynicism to it and it's kind of it's the way it's shot it's not very glossy it's quite gritty looking and stuff so well, we were talking actually about the imagery in this particular two minutes and that's uh, obviously this this channel of where the uh, demons are coming in it's uh, like a pyramid yeah, there's lots of Illuminati. Quite like Illuminati. Thim- if you're a conspiracy fan, you've got you've got the laser beams there formed <laughs> in a triangle. You got the yeah. Sumerian like uh, 
imagery. And then the we've pyramid. got these two guys welcoming welcoming a spirit in. They look like those kind of like Jehovah, not Jehovah. What are those? Um, the gospel people. You know, when you, see, when you see them in the church and they start going nuts and they start... Like a, like like a Southern Baptist? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I thought <laughs> when I saw this scene. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's um, it, it's it's. Re- I, I like all that Im- uh, the imagery, and we know that Dan Aykroyd's script had these multiple layers of a mythology that he was writing to this movie that kind of you don't really get to see in here. But it's almost like the the top of this building is representative of a different era. You know, there's obelisks yeah. and an altar, and like you're saying, the the triangle and everything. So you get this idea that like the Ghostbusters are just the tip. They're at the tip of the iceberg of this world of the occult and the underground and spiritualism and stuff like that. Which uh, it, it makes it makes for a lot of speculation as to what the deeper levels are her going yeah, on yeah definitely movie. it makes you think dan Aykroyd obviously had a keen interest in oh this he's stuff. so he's deep about, into this stuff like dan he's saying about the sumerian uh, demons almost, and things like that and sumerians are like an i almost get the feel that dan Aykroyd is a comedian but i think what he really wants to do is become literally some kind of paranormal investigator he sees more into that uh even then than he was i think he was just someone who was obsessed with all this stuff but looked in not looked into but kind of fell into this super successful or that career. he used this as like a platform to kind of get the word out yeah because if anyone listening if you've not heard it if you don't know this but dan Aykroyd did a uh an hour and a half documentary you can find it on youtube uh i think in 2008 uh it's called dan Aykroyd unplugged on ufos and he talks about different kinds of ships and where they're coming from yeah i've never dimensions. seen that but i know i know what you're talking about I it's it fascinating stuff too. it really is but like he's so like focused and like zealous about what he's talking about he really knows his stuff yeah and and you can tell with this film i mean a lot of the the stuff they talk about is this 19th century kind of spiritualism you've got ectoplasm they talk about it's very like <laughs> seancey and a Ouija board stuff. Uh, what do you guys think of all that stuff back in the day? At the turn of the century, there's all that kind of very Ouija boards and like you remember those old black and white pictures in like the mysteries books with like ectoplasm yeah. coming out of people's noses and things. It's really interesting stuff. It's a really cool aesthetic, but um, I don't know, man, because I'm not like a huge believer in the uh, <laughs> yeah. cult and well, all that. We, but... we, I think we did an episode when we first introduced ectoplasm. Right. We kind of talked about the spiritualism movement. Uh, it was, that was I, it, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 it was. I, I know it was very pronounced here in the United States that it be kind of became like almost the national sub religion at the time. And you find that different uh, times in our history that you know there's kind of this underground current of of uh, it was spiritualism then, and I think these days it's kind of like well, I mean maybe back in the 80s and 90s it was people believing in UFOs and stuff yeah. like that. The sightings now the, with Tim White era. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That that TV show and everything. And now it's kind of like uh, people. Uh, believing in government level conspiracies, you know, yeah. like it's funny isn't it, how the kind of like the 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 consciousness of the world or like society changes with what it kind of sees as its kind of angels or demons. Because if you like notice in all UFO reports now, I think in the forties it was all like flying discs, literally like silvery flying discs, and now it's all like black triangles, and it's how like. I guess the trend changes. I guess back in the day it would have been they'd say, "Oh, I've seen a, an angel or something, or this or that in the sky." Yeah, it's very, uh... and if you follow it back even further than that, uh, I, I I don't know if this was in um, in Europe, but there was like uh, fairy sightings, and fairies kind of took. Oh yeah, yeah. Took famously, the place yeah, there's a famous that story was, of young um, girls photographing yeah, fairies in England at the bottom of fairies, their garden, and it was there's a film called Fairies based off those two girls yeah, no, who I've created this hoax. And actually, Mel yeah. Gibson's yeah. in it. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I, I, actually, yeah, I saw that in the theater. It's actually pretty good movie. Oh, uh, no, it's like fairies. That's what it's called. No, Ethan, it's called Fairies. Right, that's it. I got it on DVD. Shut <laughs> you, you know Ghostbusters. Oh, I know fairies. Okay, before I type this in, <laughs> listeners, I'm Ellie, say, you got to start Fairies Minute. Yeah. yeah. 
Ethan will definitely not be on that one. No, no, there, there, there is a... Oh, you know when they make a competing film like the two Robin Hoods back in the day with Patrick Bergen and there was the Kevin yeah. Costner one of the two competing asteroid movies? Mm. I swear to yeah. God there was a competing fairy movie with Toby oh, he's, Stevens. He's, he's changing it now. He's changing the goalposts. No, I think we've just got our wires <laughs> crossed. Photographing fairies, 1997, com- with Toby Stevens. Film. It's about. It's the same story and it's got Maggie Smith's son, Toby Stevens. There he is. Oh, that's quite a cast right there. Ben Emma, Kingsley. Ben Kingsley, Emily Wolfe, Francis Barber, Phil Davis. All right, we're, we're, we're dropping off on stars now, but uh, <laughs> right there. Come on. Toby yeah, Stevens but, yeah, but we're Kingsley. talking about fairies. I know. So you got it wrong. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm going to stick with uh, the one that we're talking about, Ellie, because yeah. Ben Kingsley is either in like the best movies ever made or the absolute worst, worst. movies ever made. <laughs> yeah, what was yeah. that? Is it Robot? <laughs> thing he just came out of this in like Walmart for like three dollars it's I, like uh, probably robot wars or some Ben Kingsley robot <laughs> film. it's based off Pacific Rim oh oh, oh yeah Pacific Rim knockoff yeah, what is he yeah. doing man yeah. like, what is he doing he anything. wants the money well Michael Caine said he yeah. did the swarm because his mom wanted a new bungalow and then <laughs> I swear to god he said I did Jaws the Revenge in 1987 because she wanted an extension so he oh just does things god. for the money well, I think I heard, I heard a, uh, or I, I saw a quote from him one time where someone asked him if he saw Jaws 4 and he says, no, I've never seen it. I hear it's terrible, but I saw the house it's bought and it's beautiful. That's the one. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Robot Overlords in 2014. That's it. As you can see, a ripoff of Pacific Rim. Oh uh, my God. So you can get, he's a bit like Bruce Willis in that sense that he kind of like, he steps between gigantic films and straight to video dross. Yeah, it's you know it's it's kind of feast or famine in Hollywood right now. Sometimes you 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 get a, a project and it's either a, a top tier thing or something you think is you know it could be, and then it turns out midway through production the budget gets cut or something like that, and you get word that oh this is going straight to Netflix and you know Walmart and Redbox and stuff like that. Uh, like Arthur but, and Merlin that I was in last year. <laughs> oh, you were in that? Wow, really? Yeah, we did a King Arthur film about two years ago, and it did really well in uh, all Walmarts in America. It made like millions of oh, dollars. God, yeah, it did. So they're making a sequel really? which starts shooting next oh, April. Awesome. So I hope I'm in it. What's it Is called? That, actually doing Arthur it? and Merlin: The Legend Begins. This will be called Arthur and Merlin: The Fire of Baal. You have to. You have to send them. Do you have it? I don't have it. No. You don't even have it. Oh my god. Well, that's all right. We're just. We're yes, going to go to Walmart really, and find it. Well, yeah. right, here's the thing. The, the movie actually costs 190,000 English pounds. What's that? Three or $400,000. And make, if, really? I think considering the budget, I think the person that wrote it, uh, Marco, I'm not saying this to blow smoke up his ass, but like, I really think if he gets more of a chance, he's the next Peter Jackson. What he wrote and achieved with that film, it looks like it, Ridley yeah, Scott shot it. it I mean, was, you've seen this. Yeah, it's awesome. really good. And the music's really, really the good. The music is phenomenal. I mean, that might be the best thing. It might make it a better film than it even is. Patrick Graham Plowman's music is... And then he sent you the score for the next film, and it's even better. Even better. The, the suite from Arthur Merlin, too. But yeah, Ethan, uh, honestly, guys, the first time you see Ethan in this film, it's... And I'm not just saying it, because this will give Ethan the fattest head ever... But oh my god, it's so good. When you first see him, it's like, oh my god. But it's well, also I'm, really funny. Yeah. Brady, Brady and I are known for uh, midnight runs to Walmart for all sorts of strange stuff. So it's I think okay, next time guys, we're there. I'll send it to you, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should right, do guys. a minute show on that. Well, here's the, here's the caveat to that, <laughs> listeners. Uh, I'm meant to be in it at the end with Arthur and Merlin battling evil, but because I was cast in the middle of production to replace an actor that left. Oh, yeah, this is brilliant. The director didn't veto me to be in the thing. He knew of me, but he didn't say yes to the thing. I just turned up one day on set to replace this actor because it was such a low-budget shoot. He's like, who the... What? And because I was taller than Arthur and Merlin, he said, 
Well, we saw no, it, that's not what he said. We saw the premiere and I wasn't in the climax of the freaking film. And the reason, <laughs> the reason was, is that Ethan was a more, what was it? You were better looking. He said I was too good looking and uh, like a foot taller than the leads. And I was taking <laughs> So the they shine. had to take out Ethan Shine at the that's very what they, end. I think that was the polite way of saying I stank. I don't know, but there we go. <laughs> no, I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure they I'm didn't sure want your, your shine sure to outshine all the I others. I mean, having said that, he sent me, you know, the director has sent me the synopsis of the new film. And he's told me all about it. He sent me all the production art, so I can only assume and hope you're definitely going to be. I'm probably in the sequel. Come on, universe! Come on, universe! Work your magic. (laughs) Well, I'm going to keep an eye out for it for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let us know, and we'll we will absolutely. I'll send the first one to you. Anyway, we should get back to Ghostbusters. Sorry, listeners, we're like. (laughs) Well, we're actually we're probably going to have to. We're actually going to have to go ahead and wrap things up because Brady's got a hard out. He's got to he's got to get yeah. to somewhere. So, um, oh, but yeah, so yeah but we, we no, we've loved having you guys on. You're always so much fun to have on and have a conversation <laughs> with. So, please, when we get a chance, can you guys come on to Jurassic Park Minute sometime yes, in the near future? Course. Kyle Fantastic. and Brady, before we wrap up, I would love <laughs> to come on that show. I've literally, oh God, what am I on now? I think I'm on the third one. Uh, I always assumed this is a great advert for your uh, show by the way we're going to talk about that Uh, when the guy gets killed at the start by the rapture and pulled in I always assumed he was killed but they're going there because of a lawsuit from the family isn't it that Martin Farrow the lawyer is coming to Jurassic Park to win us that went over my head and all the times I've seen that it's only when you guys pointed that out that that was the whole crux of the film yeah, it's it's yeah, weird. We were that. we were talking about it too because it's such a strange premise for a science fiction movie, but it it works. You know, it's uh it's uh it's a very strange jumping off point for that movie. But yeah, the fact that the uh the whole conceit of the movie is based on an insurance claim. An insurance claim. I, yeah, I always yeah. assumed that guy got killed, and so did the well. The raptor was obviously killed by the guns. I think. Yeah, that's the intonation of that. And the I mean, he was yeah, he was definitely killed, but it's still. Uh, but in the, the book, he's just like mortally injured, isn't he? They said the what goes over him was it. Um, he, uh, a backhoe, yeah, like a, like a big piece of construction he equipment, does end yeah, up, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he 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 does end up dying, but he dies as their as the medical team is evaluating because they look at it and they're like, uh, these are teeth marks. This isn't a piece of construction equipment. And then he dies on the table, and they quickly like, you know, pull him out of the hospital. So and we, we haven't got there yet. But when uh, Nedry gets killed by the Dilophosaurus, I re- read this book years and years ago. When he gets hit by that venom, sorry, we jump in ahead, but does he have some kind of like? Psychoreactive reaction to it that he actually enjoys being eaten. He gets off on it weirdly. I, I, I kind I, of remember something. You know, like in, that in the what book. you're talking about is in uh, the it's book. A really it's twisted a, kind yeah, of way. Yeah, John, Ugh, it really right. got to me in a funny way. The uh, copies get John Hammond at the end of the book, and there's something in their saliva that like produces this sort of euphoric. That's It's such a creepy way to die. Yeah, right? Enjoying dying, but uh, I mean, I guess I'd rather that. And also, when the guy's hand gets pulled away. He's got this weird little missing piece of skin on his finger, and I always remember that. Yeah. But yes, please do invite, invite us onto that show, because I have seen Jurassic Park so many times, awesome. I will actually know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah, you, hard you, out. Sorry, guys, but I just no, want to ask those two questions. <laughs> You, 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 you guys are great guests as always. You're always welcome back on the show. But uh, for, before we exit real quick, can you guys let everybody know where they can find you on the internet? Yes, uh, guys, you can find me at ethanmckinley.com where you can find both my shows, which is questionable where I talk the ups and downs of life between anyone between a famous TV drama director from the BBC or a transgender porn star like Buck Angel. Uh, my other show, of course, with the lovely Ellie here, is Two Minute Terminator, where we break down the Terminator films two minutes at a time. And unlike all the other Minute shows, Minute, minute Family, you can actually watch the clip Mystery Science Theatre 3K style as we talk about it. So you can <laughs> find us all at Two Minute Terminator on YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud. Twitter, SoundCloud, and shortly Podbean. 
Ooh. Awesome. 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 So yeah, guys, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. It's yeah. Awesome. No, thank, thank you so again. much for taking the time uh, yeah. to, to come on. We really appreciate it. We know we have a bit of a time difference, and we really appreciate you guys moving heaven and earth to be here on the show today. So that's right. Yeah, we'll move so for you any, any time. And yeah, Jurassic oh. Park minute. I'm down with bells on for that. And awesome. another one of these, actually. Yeah, I'd do another one of these. We do. We'll awesome. do another Ghost Plus as well. Fit us in. We love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, Except we'll us. love you too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, folks, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again to Ethan and Ellie from Two Minute Terminator. We really think you should check that show out. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, like I said, two minutes at a time, so you get a little bit more context of what's going on. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit more digestible. So, All right, folks, well, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we're here to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back, and nice. hasta la vista, baby. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.